Coming out to you almost live from the most boring apocalypse in human Hey folks, history. thanks so much for coming back to listen. This is our brand new podcast. The Cottonmouth Club presents. The Cottonmouth Club presents in which we talk all things bars, bartending spirits, cocktails. Everything has to do with bars all through the specific lens of hospitality, which is unique to this kind of place. Fuego! Fuego. Fuego. So we're continuing our series of Cowboy Storytime, read by Danny Furness in his cowboy voice and his Texas twang. Right now we're reading Gunman's Bluff by Max Brand, in which our intrepid gunslinger Cheyenne loses the use of his right hand, which is his shooting hand. Today we're reading part nine. But before we go on, I just want to remind everybody we are still bartenders, which means we do work for tips. So if you like what you're hearing, give some love to our tip jar on Venmo at the Cottonmouth Club staff. That's Venmo, the Cottonmouth Club staff, the Cottonmouth Club dash staff. Every little bit helps. We appreciate everyone who's dropped a buck or two in our tip jar. All the money goes directly to the staff to keep them in food and everything else they need until we figure all this out. So without further ado, I'm passing you on to Danny Furness reading Gunman's Bluff. Thanks so much and stay tuned. Drum roll, please. Drum roll, please. <laughs> So I feel like we're going to see old Willis again, Danny. Oh. I mean, just oh, to recap, looks like, like you said, cat's out of the bag. Secret's out. So I'm fumble with the right. Yeah, I, think he, I think he went out suspiciously quickly, don't you? He really did. Yeah, he did. He so, was in a hurry. Yeah. I don't think he was hunting no deer. No, I don't think so. All right. <laughs> just quickly, I want to remind everybody, uh, we were reading, we meaning Danny Furness. I'm not doing anything. A Max Brand short story called Gunman's Bluff. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're, we're, we're probably about halfway through. I, I imagine. I mean, we, we, we got a little ways to go. I just want to remind everybody that if you like what you're hearing, then uh, once you drop a tip in the dip jar for Danny and the rest of the staff, uh, all you gotta do is go down to Venmo. The account is Cottonmouth Club Dash Staff. The Cottonmouth Club Staff. All right. So what, what, what are we, what are we reading today, Danny? Gunman's Bluff, Part Nine. Cheyenne determined to take Old Smokey's good advice and move on while he still could. Also, he definitely shifted the holster that carried his colt from the right thigh to the left. Since one stranger knew that his right hand was a numb, half-dead thing, would not the whole range know it soon? It was time for him to travel. He would, he decided, go south, passing the town of Crooked Foot so that he might inquire once more for a letter at general delivery. Crooked Foot was well away from the realm of the Martins, but even in this town there was danger. It was not from the Martins only that he could expect trouble. That was why he spent one solid hour on the shoulder of the mountain working with the gun in his left hand. What he should have learned before became apparent now. Any attempt at speed was fatal. The swift throw of the gun ruined the aim, but if he pulled out the colt with a calm and unhurried precision, he could rock the hammer with the touch of his thumb and crash a bullet into a target almost as accurately as he had been able in the old days to turn loose the deadly stream of lead from the right. It was consolation but a small one. For in that interval that was filled with deadly slowness, any man familiar with the quick draw was certain to begin pumping lead into him. And how did men quarrel? A chair pushed screaming back from a card table, followed swiftly by the thunder of guns. Speed was the thing that meant life or death, and for speed he needed brains in his fingers. But the brains of his right hand were gone, and the left, it seemed, would never be anything more than a half-wit. It was hard to keep smiling on the way down to Crooked Foot that day, but he managed it. Half the strength of character is the force of habit, perhaps. It was a day half dark because of the steaming clouds that poured away from the white head of Old Smokey. 
Crooked Foot itself lay in the shadow, and Cheyenne, with a rather childish touch of superstition, felt that this was a friendly omen. But at the post office there was nothing. He had turned gloomily away from the door of the little building when a bright voice hailed him. A cheerful voice, with just a slight element of strain in it, which might be surprise only. It was Willis, striding across the street toward him, waving a hand. Hello, Jones, he said. Glad to see you again. Step in and have a shot of red-eye with me, will you? Cheyenne accepted with a wave of his hand. He was still lost in wonder because his letter to the girl had brought no response. It was the sort of a note that demanded an answer. It was the sort of a note that she would have been sure to answer, he kept telling himself. They went into Tom Riley's saloon. Half a dozen cowpunchers were in there off the range. It was a bad season with less work to be had than there were workers. In the old days, Cheyenne would not have worried about that. No matter how pinched a rancher's wallet might be, he was always glad to find room for a man like Cheyenne. But all of that was ended now. He might be a damned dishwasher somewhere. No, because he'd break too many dishes. In some faraway camp, he'd become the clumsy greenhorn, the lefty of the outfit. He was at the bar, leaning not on his left, but on his right elbow on the varnished top of it. He took the whiskey. Here's how, they said together in deep, rather apologetic voices, putting down that brown-stained fire at the same moment. As he put the glass back on the bar, Cheyenne saw that the eyes of Willis were dropping to his left thigh, where the colt now rode. There was meaning in that glance. There was a stinging meaning in it. Have one on me, suggested Cheyenne. Willis did not answer. A cold light made his blue eyes paler, his nostrils flared. Then an unseen man entered through the swinging door. Slip Martin, he called. What are you doing in this part of the range? Why, hello yourself, said the man who had called himself Willis. But his eyes never left the face of Cheyenne, and he raised his voice to say in a snarling tone that means only one thing. You're Cheyenne. It was the invitation to the fight. Old Sam had been right. There was no good in his Willis. He had not been stalking deer on the shoulder of the mountain. No, it had been other game he had been after. A scalp with the price of high glory on it. But how could he have known his quarry was on Old Smoky? How could he have known that Cheyenne was near Crooked Foot unless the girl had published her information? Cheyenne, said someone in the corner of the saloon. It is Cheyenne. If it's Cheyenne, said Tom Riley behind the bar, and if you're really a Martin, don't you go and make a damn fool of yourself. Don't you go and get your insides spilled all over my floor. Keep away, shouted Slip Martin. He leaned forward a little. His right hand hovered, wavered like a stooping bird over his gun. It was not a clumsy, half-witted left. It was the right hand that was poised there. Keep back and give me room, Slip Martin was crying. I got him where I want him. I'm going to open him up, and I'm going to show you that Cheyenne's a dirty, sneaking yellow dog. Cheyenne said nothing. Slip Martin had him. There was no doubt about that. He was gone. He was already as good as dead. And somehow that would have been all right, too, if only the girl had ridden back to him. If only that hollow uncertainty and disappointment had not been in his soul. With every second of his silence, of his immobility, he could see a savage hysteria of joy working more and more deeply into the face of Slip. The man looked like a beast now. If you're a man and not a dirty, low, sneaking murderer, go for your gun. Feel your hand or I'll slip pause there. Trembling on the verge of the draw, and Cheyenne did not move. My God, said a sick voice, Cheyenne's going to take water. It was only a murmur, but it fitted perfectly into the sickness of Cheyenne's soul. Yeah, gasped Slip Martin, I was right. Murder was in his eyes, and then something more cruel appeared there, 
I was right. You're only a yellow dog. He took a quick half-step forward and flicked the back of his left hand across the face of Cheyenne. It was the ultimate insult. Cheyenne thought of Chuck Martin in the crowd at the dance. Chuck had stood, white and appalled, working physically to burst away from the controlling hand of all that gripped him. But he, Cheyenne, was still smiling. The smile would be the most horrible of all. Punch-drunk men in the ring smile like that as they stagger before the conqueror. He is, said someone, he's yellow. Cheyenne's taking water. Cheyenne straightened. He turned to the swing door. He turned toward all those faces. His back was to the gun of Slip Martin, who had called himself Willis. The world would never know how Slip had learned that this famous gunfighter was now helpless. Slip Martin would become famous. It was better than shooting a man to make him back down by the sheer force of cold, hard nerve. Between Cheyenne and the door, there stretched the distance of five paces, but they were five eternities. On either side were horrified faces, but the grin of a ghastly pleasure was beginning to dawn on some of them. This was a thing to remember. This was a thing to be talked about. Eyewitnesses to the fall of Cheyenne would be valued all over the range, and hungry-eyed men would listen, their lips curling with disdain. And other men of guns, might throughout the mountains, would listen with horror, wondering if their own nerve might one day run out of them like water through a sieve. He got to the swing door, pushed slowly through it into the open day. He would never again be a happy man. He would fear the eye of every man, because every man might know. He halted standing stiff and straight. It was better to go back into the saloon and have the thing over with. It was better to rush back in. Then he heard the outbreak of voices inside, a noise that rose, and one man began to laugh, peeling laughter. Slip shouted one. That was the finest, colded piece of nerve that I ever seen. You're the greatest fellow that ever rode this range. The king was dead. Another king was reigning. Cheyenne knew that now, if ever, he ought to ride south. He knew. But the face of old Smokey above him was like that of an old friend. He turned toward it for comfort and kept traveling up the trail in that direction. A cottontail jumped up from behind a rock. He pulled the revolver with his left hand and counted. One. Then he fired. The cottontail turned over in mid-leap, struck a rock heavily, and lay stiff, a blur of red and fluffy gray. Cheyenne pulled sideways over to the spot and picked up the meat. If he practiced with the rifle, he might become a hunter, because his eyes seemed even better than ever. It had to be, now that his hand was gone. But whatever he hunted, it could never be a man. Hmm. Yeah. Good chapter. I mean, yeah. intense. Brutal, dude. King's dead. I thought he was going to go back in. No, no. He's not trying to die yet. Well, I mean... He just, uh, he just took all that water. He sure did. He didn't feel his hand. Didn't feel great. No, I mean, I feel terrible. Yeah. Whatever will he do now? If you like what you're hearing, give some love to our tip jar on Venmo at Cottonmouth Club staff. Dope. Stop shutting yourself.